Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 138 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back here in the big chair on today, Tuesday, September 29th, 2020. That's right, we're going a Tuesday show this week, and this might be the sort of the noontime slot, a Tuesday afternoon show. Get us a chance to look at the film, both from the week prior and the week ahead. And in today's show, we have our first ode of the 2020 NFL season. That's right. Long-time listeners know every once in a while I pipe in the Skyrim music. We talk about mead halls and we raise our mead glasses or mugs, as it were, to honor some of the Patriots from the week prior. And this will be dedicated to the offensive line. We watched some of the All-22 from Sunday afternoon against the Raiders and came away even more impressed with the ability of the All-22 to see what the guys up front were doing, some of whom were in new positions. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to look ahead, got some things to talk about for week four. That's in the second half of the show. But before we do anything, your usual cavalcade of reminders here at the outset. Please do follow along with the hijinks on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at a variety of places. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View. Bleeding Green Nation and right here at Pat's Pulpit. And if you want to feel bad for somebody, you might want to feel bad for somebody that covers two different NFC East teams. I'm just saying. And of course, Touchdown Wire, where you get a ton of stuff from me each week. You get observations. You get overreactions. You get Mark Schofield's QB camp. You can look for that piece a little bit later where I do some video breakdowns, many of which you've probably seen on Twitter, some of which you haven't. So you can check out all that fun stuff. But the easiest way to see all of it is to follow along on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Now, I want to talk about the offensive line. And to do that, we tee up the Skyrim music. Right, we raise our mead mugs, raise them high, think of Sovngarde, and we send the praises of the Patriots' offensive line. Now, let's not forget, on Sunday, you had Michael Wenu at left guard. You had Joe Tooney at center. New positions, at least in terms of making an NFL start for these players. But this offensive line did work pretty much all day long. And I'm going to talk about just a couple of plays here. But really, I was very impressed, almost from snap to finish. There was some sluggishness to begin the game. But the guys, particularly in the interior, did such a good job. And I'm going to highlight some plays. The first play we're going to talk about, this is a 17-yard run from Rex Burkhead. This comes at the 933 mark of the second quarter. It's a second and six at the Raiders 27-yard line. Cam Newton makes a check prior to the snap of the football here. And I don't know if he's just calling something out or if he's changing the play, but what it, they end up running a little gap power design with a when new the left tack the left guard, excuse me, pulling from his alignment to the right side. 
We saw a lot of over fronts from the Raiders. They're in a 4-2-5 package here. They've got the over front. So you've basically got a shaded nose tackle and two guys on the right side of the offense. And then you've got that wide nine alignment defender outside the left shoulder of Isaiah Wynn. So you're running against the strength, essentially, of this Raiders front. But the blocking comes together so well. You get at the point of attack. On the defensive tackle, you get the, the right guard and the right tackle. Jermaine Illuminor, Shaq Mason, they get the double team there. The shaded nose tackle, he tries to really get into that A-gap to the right shoulder of Joe Tooney, and he has to sort of prevent him from doing that. And the center does a tremendous job there. Backside, you get Isaiah Wynn on the defensive end, who's aligned outside of him. A fairly easy block for Wynn. You get, on the defensive end, you get a nice block from Devin ICSC, the tight end, the rookie tight end. But you're still outmanned because Corey Littleton is basically at your aiming point. But that's where Jermaine Illuminor comes in. He pulls, gets out in front of Rex Burkhead here, and he's moving, friends. Like, he is motoring down the line of scrimmage to the point where Corey Littleton sees it, and it's one of those, I'm giving myself up. He gives himself up, he goes low, just su- surrenders to Michael Owenu, who just pancakes him. Now you have the backside linebacker starting to scrape over the top. Remember that double team I was telling you about at the point of attack? With Mason and Jermaine Illuminor? Well, at the very last second, Illuminor comes off of it and takes on that backside scraping linebacker. So when Burkhead finally hits the hole, what does he find? Nothing but green. First defender that's really a threat to him is the free safety coming down, and he makes him miss in open field. Just a tremendous job first up front. And then Burkhead deserves a good bit of credit because, you know, you've got. Heath, the free safety, and he makes him miss in the open field. So if you want to see that play, that's second quarter, 9.33 mark, second and six at the Raiders' 27-yard line. Next play I want to talk about is a Sony Michelle run. This is the first of his two big runs. This is a 38-yard run. It's a second four at the Patriots' 37-yard line, third quarter, 10.07. This is outside zone, lead zone to the right side here. He's going to follow Jakob Johnson to the edge. Raiders are in their base 4-3. Again, using that sort of over front where you've got defensive end, defensive tackle, and the shaded nose tackle to one side in a sense. Although this time the shade is more in the opposite A-gap, but still we're going to call this an over front. You've got cornerback because they're running this out of a slot formation. They're running it out of 21 personnel. It's slot to the left. They're running to the right. So you're running to the closed side of the formation where the tight end is. So the corner, since they're in zone, he comes down. He's on the edge of the line of scrimmage. They've been a safety down into the box. You've got the two linebackers as well. You've got eight men in the box. And they still get a 38-yard run against this. And it starts again with the guys up front. This time it's most of the guys on the right side yet again. First big block I want to highlight once this ball is snapped here, is the work from Joe Tooney. Because I mentioned that you have a defensive tackle and a defensive end, three-point stance on the right side of the offense. The defensive tackle is in the B-gap between Shaq Mason and Jermaine Illuminor, but he slants inside. This is outside zone to the right. So Joe Tooney's first movement is to the outside. But this guy basically slants 
to the inside of Tooney. So he starts in one B gap, and he's almost aiming for the opposite A gap. Joe Tooney comes out of his stance. He's expecting to go wide, but he sees this guy knifing inside. So what does he do? He immediately turns himself, gets his left shoulder into him, and gets just enough of that player before Michael Owenu arrives. So that prevents a bad situation because one way to stop any play is immediate interior pressure. If this guy gets through, this play doesn't have a chance. But that block is taken care of, and it starts with Joe Tooney. And then I want to highlight both Mason and Illuminor. Because similar to the defensive tackle, the defensive end, Max Crosby, he comes inside as well. Illuminor's first step is outside of him. He also recognizes the guy coming inside. So he peels his shoulders, gets a shoulder pad into this guy. Mason helps finish him off. So you get those two blocks. Now you get the tight end. He comes up to the second level immediately. And he takes on the linebacker. So Ryan Izzo. He goes right to the second level, takes on the near the first linebacker threat, and that's Corey Littleton. He takes him. And manned on the line of scrimmage. Remember I mentioned that they were running this to the closed side of the formation where you have the cornerback down on the line of scrimmage? That cornerback, Mullen. He gets wiped out by Jakob Johnson here. So he comes inside, sees the play, and it's similar to what we just talked about with Corey Littleton on the previous play. Almost gives himself up. Almost gives himself up, goes right to the legs of Jakob Johnson. He gets erased. So now, you just have the safety to worry about. As Sony Michelle sort of hits the hole here, hits the outside edge, you've got Harris, the strong safety. He gets outside of this because he's trying to contain this, trying to turn this back inside. He makes the cut, Michelle does. Makes the cut back to the middle of the field. Corey Littleton is fighting and doing everything he can to work through this block from Izzo. Tries to get towards him, but Michelle cuts inside of him too. Littleton does a very good job at scraping off this block from Izzo. Gets to the outside shoulder of Michelle, but Michelle cuts inside. And at this point, everybody else that has flowed this way has flowed to the outside. Michelle sees that, exploits it, makes the cutback cut, and he's off and running. Makes another defender miss in the open field and picks up a huge 38-yard gain. But it all starts with those guys up front again because if any of those guys that were slanted to the inside get into the backfield, this play doesn't have a chance to get going. The two more plays I want to talk about, both running plays, the 48-yard run from Sony Michelle. This comes 345 mark of the third quarter. It's another outside zone play. This time, it's to the left. It's lead zone yet again. I formation, fullback leading you there, run to the closed side of the formation where it's just the tight end. Some similar work, this time from the left side of the line. You're going to get a great job by, by Michael Wenu. That defensive tackle that's nearest to him tries to penetrate between him and Joe Tooney. Tooney thinks he's going to need to help him, but Wenu just twists this guy down to the ground. Gets him to the turf. You don't have to worry about him. Michelle doesn't have to worry about him too much. And then on the back side, there's a great job by Shaq Mason because you have that slanted nose tackle. He's in the A-gap between the center and the right guard, Shaq Mason. He tries to penetrate quickly. Mason gets into him, stands him up a bit, and then drops down and cuts him. Gets him to the ground. 
So you have this collision of four bodies in the backfield, the defensive tackle and the nose tackle, taken to the ground by Owenu and Shaq Mason. The guards erase those guys. So there's this big pile. But what does that mean? It allows the right, the left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, to get up to Corey Littleton. It allows Joe Tooney to get up to the other linebacker. So now you've basically got the guards on the guard and the, the tackle in the center, excuse me, they're on the linebackers. Jakob Johnson, he's clear too. He gets to take on the safety down in the box. So you get guys to the turf. You get Devon ICSC who's taking out the defensive end. You got three guys flowing up to the next three level defenders. It's just basically a hat on a hat here, and you're off and running. Michelle makes a nice block and uh, move in the open field to make the first safety nearest a miss. But again, you get that great flow of blocking. You get the guards doing tremendous work, getting guys to the ground. Just another tremendous outside zone, lead zone play. Final play I want to mention, 14-yard run by Rex Burkhead in the fourth quarter. 546 mark. It's a second and seven situation at the Raiders 16 yard line. This is another outside zone, this time out of single back. Isaiah Wynn chases the defensive end out of the pitcher. Owenu just right up to the second level onto the linebacker. Joe Tooney again re- makes the reach block on the defensive tackle. It's a line to his left, seals him from the play. Now, again, this time you're running it towards a slot formation, so you need the receivers to block. You get good blocks downfield from both Damier Bird and Julian Edelman out of the slot. Just a tremendous job up front. Rex Burkhead sees it, gets what he can, 14 yards, not too shabby. So raise those mead glasses, those mead mugs to this offensive line. Tremendous job in the run game on Sunday against the Raiders. Handling some of those penetration, those stunts, those guys trying to knife inside to stop plays before they get going. This offensive line did a tremendous job, and they deserve a ton of credit for, in many ways, this win on Sunday. So hats off to them. Up next, we're going to start looking ahead to week four. We've got some news to talk about. And yeah, we get the Kansas City Chiefs to deal with. I'm going to try to come up with some way to slow them down. That's ahead here in episode 137, excuse me, 138 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now in episode 138 of the Sco Show. And friends... We got a little bit of news. We got a little bit of news coming out Tuesday afternoon. And, well, I'm just going to come out and say it. Brett Rippin's season is upon us. Those of you who've been around for a while remember the Brett Rippin hype. My quarterback four in the 2019 draft. Who went undrafted? And it seemed like it was going to be a massive L for your boy, which I was going to wear with honor. Because we, we, when we earn an L, we wear that badge of L with pride. Because everybody makes mistakes. Now, we might have gotten some vindication. Because with an ineffective Jeff Driscoll last week, the Denver Broncos decided at the end of that game... To make a switch to Brett Rippon, they went up-tempo, and he started 8 of 8. Now, yes, he threw an interception at the end of that, but he was 8 for 8 to start things off. And he's getting the start against the New York Jets on Thursday night football. Like, this was a game I wasn't even going to watch. 
I was going to tell the editors over at USA Today, no, 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 no five observations from this one. I'm shutting it down. I'm playing video games. I just down- downloaded Stardew Valley. I've yet to try it. I want to play that. Maybe I'll play some Battlefield 1. I've dusted that off a bit. Maybe hop into Warzone. But I was going to have a little me time on Thursday night. No, no, no. Glued to the television for this one now. He's Brett Rippin. And I just want to say, if Brett Rippin lights it up on Thursday night, your boy is going to be insufferable. I mean, just insufferable. Now, chances are that's not going to come to fruition because short week, road game, tough environment for most quarterbacks, let alone somebody making his first NFL start. But I'm just saying... If it turns out that Rippin sort of lights MetLife Stadium on fire, your boy's going to be insufferable. Now, what's more likely to happen, given that it's 2020, is the stadium will literally catch on fire. Because it's 2020, after all. But if 2020 is going to give me something, your boy needs this. Okay, your boy needs this. So, God, if you listen, I know you get a lot in your play right now, but if you could just see it in you. To make Brett Rippon play like Tom Brady on Thursday night, I won't ask for much. I can't say I won't ask for anything ever again, but I won't ask for that much ever again. Okay, how about that? Is that good? Does that work? Okay. But let's do what we're supposed to do on this show, and that's talk about the upcoming opponent for the New England Patriots. And yes, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you watched Monday Night Football, and you saw Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things, you're probably wondering, how in the world do you defend this team? How in the world do you defend this defense? I mean, let's think about some of the things we saw from Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and company just in the first like quarter of this game. You saw dual read screens. Screens to both sides of the formation on a single play. You saw dual read screens... But then a wide slip screen, a tight end slip screen to the middle of the field. You saw a quad stack formation. Noah Princiati tweeted out a picture of that, calling it the evolution of man, that great image from history. Just a tremendous reference. You saw so many things conceptually. You saw Tyree Kill in the backfield in a goal line situation. They fake the toss and run a shovel pass underneath to their fullback. Like, how do you defend this guy? How do you defend this team? And it spawned a discussion in one of the various football DMs that I'm in about how do you stop them? And I tried to make the case that, you know, what you got to do is you got to play with a light box. You got to be able to play either pattern match or too high in the secondary. You got to have somebody that can play a one-on-one on Travis Kelsey. And I get hit with the, yeah, that sounds like those coaching clinics where the guy's like, yeah, we do this, we do this, we do this. We're plus one in the box. We're plus one to this side. We're plus one to this side. We've got everybody double covered in the secondary. And as you all know, that's literally impossible. And that's the point. It seems right now like defending this team is literally impossible. And the Ravens tried a bunch of different things. They tried blitzing them and he carved them up. I mean, here's what he did to the Ravens. 31 of 42 for 485 and four touchdowns. Now, you probably understand why the Ravens tried to blitz him. He struggled when he was blitzed against the Los Angeles Chargers two weeks ago. 
But what did he do against the Blitz on Monday night? 16 of 20 for 202 yards and three touchdowns. It's seemingly impossible. And part of the way that you can stop him is to get pressure with three or four. And they were able to do that, the Chargers were, with Joey Bosa. Because then that allows you to play some of the matchup coverages, some of the cover two stuff in the secondary. Especially better if you can go sort of two-man. So you've got dedicated safety help with man coverage on each of those receivers. But it might have to start with up front. Can you get pressure with three? Can you get pressure with four? And that, too, is one of those old adages that it sounds great if you could do it, but can you? Can the Patriots? You know, we talked about this a little bit in the wake of the postgame show against the Raiders. They were able on certain occasions to get pressure with three. Think of the sack fumble. Dietrich Wise, Chase Winovich, getting pressure with just three enables you to play cover two, drop eight, and you can really take things away. Can the Patriots do that? Can the Patriots get pressure with three and or four? Because then you're dropping seven, you're dropping eight. You now have the numbers advantage. From where I sit, that's going to be key. That's like the way to beat them. It's a tough ask. And even if you manage to do that, they could still get over the top of you. They could still get deep on you. You look at some of those plays from Monday night. The lawn touchdown to make all Harmon, right? It's a two-receiver concept. It's cover three. It should be covered, but it's not. And yes, on this play, they brain five, but it doesn't matter because Patrick Mahomes backpedals to the Mississippi River on this play and still somehow launches it from... He lets this go from the minus 39. Backpedal and under pressure, man in his face, and drops it down to the other five-yard line. And he lets it go from almost the left numbers, drops it down to the bottom of the right numbers. Pythagoras might have had something to say about how long of a throw this was. This guy seems almost impossible to defend. Now, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it with three up front. Like this idea of blitzing him, it just makes it easy. Almost too easy for him. Because he can create with his legs, he can make any throw from any platform... And when you're suddenly playing even in terms of numbers against these guys in the secondary, forget it. If they can beat or cover three coverage with just two guys, what are they going to do when they've got five guys in the route concept? One of them's hot. They just make it so hard to defend them. So I think it starts with getting pressure with three, and I know. It sounds silly, of course. If you get pressure with three, you're going to win all the time, right? So that's a hard task. I do think you have to mix up your coverages against them. You can't just play cover two man or cover one, you know, one robber or one cross against them. You've got to mix things up. You've got to make Mahomes think just a little bit. It's a tough ask. Do I think the Patriots can win this game? Yeah. Partly because they have the guys that can give you some of the answers to these questions. Like, can Jawan Williams... Be the tight end guy. This is the game for it. You know, we wondered about Darren Waller, and I think Devin McCourty 
I actually wrote a piece about this for you. I said today he had a big part in shutting down McCor and shutting down Darren Waller. You saw some different guys. It did start with Juwan Williams. So I think you're going to see a lot of Williams on Kelsey. And then how do you play it from there? Probably Gilmore, perhaps on Watkins. Jackson, probably on Hardman. Jones on Tyreek Hill. And now you've got to sort of play in the back half now. Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty, perhaps, doing some safety stuff. Because I think you want to be sort of a too high look as much as you can against them. So this is one of those weeks where it's a lot to prepare for. But I do think there are plays to be made against this defense. I And I think that people often think when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, you want to ball control and all that stuff. And I think the Patriots can do some of that with their ground game. But I also have the ability to get vertical at times in the passing game. So as far as what I'm going to be watching for, I'm going to be watching for those matchups in the secondary. I'm going to be watching for can they get pressure with three or or four or at least enough pressure where Mahomes can't just sit back there and carve you up. And can they hang with these guys? Because you're going to have to score points to beat this team. If you can drag this into the mud and make it a 17-14 rock fight, well, kudos. I don't see it happening. This team is too fast, too powerful, too many weapons. I don't see you playing a rock fight against this team. So you're going to have to score points. Can they score enough points to win this game? But it's going to be a fascinating matchup. Can't wait to watch it. That will be Sunday, 425. I will be back with you after that game at some point. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. Sin along as you do. And bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.